And now, a dramatic reading of Tom Wilson's Full Diaper by Patrick Dam. It's been tough. There hasn't been a minute or a day that goes by when you're not thinking about the situation and all of that. But I am fortunate enough where I get to come to the rink with a bunch of great guys, a great coaching staff, and a great organization that's been supporting me and been there for me. Friends and family, and a lot of those people who reach out that have your back and support you and say really nice things. Those people that balance out all that other stuff. And I am appreciative for that. gentlemen welcome to another episode of the dying alive podcast i'm jesse marshall of the athletic pittsburgh joined today as always by mike darnay aka daniel craig aka the head of the nhl's ice department from pensburg.com say hello mike life is meaningless eat arby's i'm also joined by pat damp of pens blog Pat, what if your last name was Moist instead of Damp? That'd really suck. Yeah, but it would still be a synonym for wet, so don't worry and about I that. Still, I wouldn't have this podcast with you. I would not go on a show with a guy named Pat Moist. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to pat things that are moist? Okay, fair enough. The, the Penguins are undefeated since the last time we've done this podcast. Uh, 4-2 win uh, against the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, no Matt Murray, no Marc-Andre Fleury. They didn't stop them from talking about it all night long. And the Penguins, they're not undefeated. They lost to the show. What the hell? I'll tell you what. <laughs> they're not defeated I'm in regulation. They're not I'm defeated in regulation. On the show, talking talking all this shit on Mike and Pat. And I don't even know what the hell the score of the game on Saturday night was. Hey, I'll tell you. Like I said, 4-3. Maybe I need to look in the mirror, you know? Not. Remove the plank from, as the Bible said, remove the plank from my own eye. <laughs> your your lack huge of. fucking plank in there. Your, your lack of factual statistics is not a big deal to me. Uh, well, they did beat Las Vegas. We were right about that. Uh, they lose in a shootout uh, to Montreal. Uh, let's start with this. Uh, the Kessels awoken. Four goals, four games. Making a run at the uh, Rocket Richard here, Pat. Would it surprise any of us if he did? Because it wouldn't surprise me. No, no. What are we going to complain about th- this year, guys? I'm going to get that out of the way now. Uh, there, you know, the, the Phil Kessel stories uh, haven't stopped. Uh, this offseason was once again rife with them. Uh, what, what's it going to be this year? Is there going to be something that we're going to magically uh, matriculate out of thin air and, uh, to, to slander Phil Kessel? And if so, what, what will that thing be? I don't know. He's going to sneeze on the bench or something in the general direction of Gino, and there's going to be a rift between the two of them. Like, well, uh, as you can see, he turns 45 degrees due south at Malkin and sneezes, as anyone can tell you from this press box, that's a rift. Has the uh, Mike Sullivan feud well uh, dried up, Mike, or is there still water in there that we can pull out? Uh, I don't see anything there. I mean, w- remember 
it, it feels like so long ago that the the narrative popped up that Phil Kessel was going to have a problem because his his uh, handler, handler. pocket was yes. gone. Yeah, that didn't work out. Although those same people would probably tell you that Phil Kessel's uh, lack of goals in the postseason was attributable to that in the regular season just masked what the real issue is. But Yeah, uh, <laughs> now, now let me ask you here. Did either of you happen to see the new episode of In the Room? No, not yet. No, I did see the there, intro, though. There is a great moment um, when Phil Kessel was in Washington getting his award for um, cancer awareness. Yeah. His sister Amanda, who everybody is aware of, introduced him. I believe that uh, Amanda is the best Kessel. That is that is a thing. Um, she introduced him, and he got a little teary-eyed sitting at the table. Nuh-uh. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm going to have to uh, take a look at a rare moment of emotion there from Phil. <clears throat> it, it, was, it was pretty good. Um, well, so the Penguins uh, – Obviously, at this juncture in time, uh, we've got a, a, while still small, somewhat of a decent sample to look at here uh, with regards to uh, the games they've played up to this juncture. Um, they've won. They've they've won some games. Uh, they've gained some points, uh, but still uh, a little uncomfortable to watch. Yes. Yeah, I mean they beat they beat two. I mean, if you think of it this way. They beat the two teams who were in the Stanley Cup final last year, and they lost two games to the Montreal Canadiens, who were expected to be one of the worst teams in the NHL this year. Yeah. I will say, yeah. though, I, I I wrote the recap for Penn's blog for Saturday night, and not that I like don't pay attention to games when I'm not writing a recap, but obviously if you're recapping a game, you pay a lot more attention to nuance and detail. And, I don't. Okay, so Mike doesn't, but... <laughs> I mean, Mike's Mike's too big. Mike's not worried about the ice in the game. He's worried about all the ice in his cup. That's that's his biggest concern during a game. But I noticed, and it's been said to death, especially um, by Jesse's colleague Josh Yoey, is Montreal's fast, and this could be a problem for the Penguins this season. To me, that there's teams out there making them look kind of slow and. If Montreal adds a little bit of skill, they might not be a horrible team. Plus, they always have the great equalizer in net and carry Price. If there's one position you want to be great at, it's goalie. Bad no, my, puck management. My, my take on that, Pat, is bad puck management will make just about any team look slow. That's fair. I mean, I definitely agree that like they have been careless, for lack of a better term, with the puck, but... I think Montreal's speed shows the direction that the sport is going as a whole because while they don't have a ton of top-end talent on that roster, they still are very fast. And the Penguins are taking the brunt of a changing league that it's following their own example. Yeah, absolutely. That's so, the crazy part. Of it. I mean, they, so, they created this. So you win Stanley Cup back-to-back years, and then all of a sudden everybody says, oh, shit, we're going to do what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. I think it's exactly what's happening. Yeah, it's happening across the board for a lot of teams. I think some of the worst teams in the leagues are, are, are the ones that aren't doing that. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> no, I mean, you, like, oh, I think, you know, that, that style wins, I think. And if you want to play slow, caveman, defensive hockey, don't expect a different result. 
So, you know, and, so and, and let me quantify that because the Capitals won the Stanley Cup last year because they played defense, but really well. They 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 sold out on defense in a lot of ways. I would they were say, stacking. They were stacking three players at the defensive blue line. I was going to say they they were very disciplined. I don't know if I'd say that they were slow defensive hockey. They were just sure. very disciplined. And what, you're right, and what I'm saying is is that that system enabled them to play fast the other direction. Right. right. And I think that Barry Trotz identified the weakest part of his team, the blue line. It was the part that more often than not cost the Capitals in the postseason. That and Alex Ovechkin going through a cold streak, uh, which so, is going to happen. So, the, so, so basically the Penguins won two Stanley Cups with their coach identifying their weakness and saying, fuck that weakness, we're going to go the other direction. Whereas Barry Trotz identified that weakness and said, we're going to solidify that weakness with a third person on the blue line instead. Yeah, and I think that was necessary for the Capitals, though, because I don't think that they had the same offensive makeup that the Penguins had and the ability to press the forecheck that way. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. The Capitals, so, so they identified it and rectified it in a different manner. In a different manner, yeah, in a different yet equally as effective manner, yeah. Um, the Penguins, I think it really comes down to a mindfulness thing. Uh, they know how good they are. I mean, that's, Mike Sullivan has said that. You know, this is a team that knows it's good. Uh, they know they're good at scoring goals, and that's the thing they want to do the most. So uh, I have a question I, for you. Yeah. Is the fact that the Penguins know that they're good part of the problem? Yeah, sure. I think so, for sure. Yeah. I think they know they're good, uh, and it's October. They know that too. Uh, you know, that's the thing we got to take into consideration here. Uh, this is a team that, for the most part, uh, the key components have you know gone through this thing. Uh, they know what 82 games is like. Uh, I think what's more concerning to me is the bad puck management, right? Because that's habit. That, that's a bad habit to break. Sometimes, I think that the the sort of want to play offensive hockey and, and maybe the the lack of desire to get into the muck and, and do the dirty work in Game Six uh, that I think is going to go away with time. But to be fair, I said the same thing last year, and it never happened. So, is this who they are? Yeah, yeah, I I think I remember saying the same thing that it has to be hard to flip that switch on to the passion of the postseason, the ferocious play in October. You can't fake that mentality, right? right. Well, and we do that. We do this every every October into November. Oh my God! Scoring's up, and you know all these teams are really opening it up, and they're 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 the the goals are up, and the and the goalies aren't playing great, and then we get to mid November into December, and all of a sudden we're back to three two games. It's basically and basically the cream, don't, don't, the, cream, the cream about rises to the top at the same time too. Right? right, and what's this? What's the stat that like if you aren't in the playoff picture in by American Thanksgiving, chances are you're not going to make the playoffs. So. Uh, overall, like we do it every we do it every October, where and I'm not saying that the Penguins don't have puck management problems because they absolutely do. We've watched it through all these games so far, but it's also the time of year where nobody's playing defense, nobody has solidified their system, and it's just a goofy period for hockey. And they're very aware of the fact that they have those puck management issues. Um, you know, Evgeny Malkin was pretty upset after that game on on Saturday, I and mean, he had a right to be. I mean, he took. He took some really awful bunnies, I think, in that game. It's fair to say. I think. Um, I, I think outside of the too many men, he fell victim to some Montreal specials, especially the second penalty, the hold. I didn't see it. It just looked like he skated by a guy. Uh, no, I don't disagree. Yeah, I mean, 
give either way. I mean, I think even from a puck management perspective, there was he left some things to be desired oh, out there. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, um, I've I've started to see it happen, and it's early, but I've already started to see this little tiny social media undercurrent of where is Sidney Crosby? Why isn't Sidney Crosby scoring? He needs to wake up. I can't I can't wait until he goes on like a twenty straight like game point streak later in the year, and then people will just you know they'll forget they ever said that. But uh, can you lay it'll, off? It'll Crosby? it'll just be business as usual. Can Sidney Crosby, the two a two back to back Con Smythe Trophy winner, can you give the guy a break? Is is there a way to roll your eyes in audio form? Because however you do that is what I'm doing right now. I just want to verify to everyone that Pat is in fact rolling his eyes. I I hate this take. I hate it so much because one, it's Sidney Crosby. He has earned a incredibly wide berth, probably the size of this state, because it's Sidney Crosby. And he's getting chances. My concern with Sidney Crosby comes when he stops getting chances. If he stops getting chances, that's a problem. But yeah. eventually... He what- judges himself the same way, by the way, Pat. He'll tell you that. Um, there was a period last year where he wasn't scoring, and he goes, I'll get worried when we're not creating scoring chances. Right, and that's why I get so annoyed with the people like, oh, well, hey, uh, hey, Mark, uh, I'm calling because, you know, I'm, uh, I ain't seen Sid score a goal yet, so, uh, you know, should we, be, uh, should we be concerned? I'm going to hang up and listen. No, no, we absolutely should not. He's getting chances. Yeah. Eventually they're going to fall. You know, we've got to give a shout here um, on that same note uh, to Chris Letang. Um who I think had a bad first 20 against the Capitals. Uh, but uh, feel free to agree or disagree here. I, I think he'd be hard-pressed uh, to find any aspect of his game worth complaining about at this juncture in time. Yeah, since that first 20, he's kind of gone scorched earth. Yeah. He absolutely has. Yeah. Hard to say who – impossible to say who coined Chris Letang Redemption Tour, but whoever did, perfect. I, You know, I think – Right now, you could describe Chris Letang as very good. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He stays, he stays at very good level all year. Um, you know, I, I mentioned this on the show, I think, last week. His ability to eat minutes is just unprecedented. Well, we, um, we saw that, this, we, we saw that Saturday night. so easy. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I think that's where we're at right now. So, um, you know, for me... Um, it's worth discussing at this juncture because, um, you know, with the decor having some change already, um, you know, uh, obviously with the, um, you know, Oli Mata in and out and Alexiak in and out and the shuffle that's been going on, uh, having that reliable presence is just massive. And on that note, gentlemen, uh, the news came out today that Justin Schultz did get uh, surgery, uh, four month timetable expected. I think that's I think that's probably actually a little bit I might extend that um, because while it may be a four month recovery period, you got to assume that the a length of time it takes him to get back into playing shape. Um, you know, he's not going to be able to ride a bike and do cardio. You know, that that's huge in this injury. Um, so I, I think four months is probably wishful thinking. Yeah, and I think even to your previous point about Crystal saying eating minutes, losing a guy like Justin Schultz for four months or longer just makes that an even bigger point that you have a guy out there who can say, I, I can take an extra three, four minutes a night 
and handle it no problem. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's to build on what you said there. Uh, four months has to be generous because a lot of upper body injuries, not to go full NHL GM on reporting injuries, but upper body injuries, you can keep your conditioning up pretty well. You know, you can skate, you can ride the bike, you can get on the treadmill. You can't do that with this injury, obviously. And on the flip side of it, though, the good news is there was no ligament damage, so that does kind of mitigate the time away from the game because he didn't have to have any ligaments repaired, which adds pretty much a year, I think, onto your recovery time. So Mm. he's in a quote-unquote good spot. There's no good spot really when you get injured and break a bone and have to get surgery but but it but it is a good spot when you don't tear your ACL right when you yeah. don't tear the yeah. ligaments in your ankle and need to get them repaired and I think at the same time though what you guys what you were saying Jesse about the experimenting and everything if there's a time of year for coach Sullivan to start building a Frankenstein monster in his lineup it's October and early November yeah sure and I, I you know we got the everybody got their wish, and uh, Uso Ricola stepping in. Um, you still got Chad Re- Ruweedle, who's proven to be serviceable, floating around out there. Um, even got a guy like Stefan Elliott and, and Wilkes-Barre Scranton. It's off to a good start. So, you know, I, I, the Ricola thing. We might as well touch on this. What do we make of it? Um, two games where the Penguins allowed a lot of shots. And uh, scored some goals, but allowed a lot of shots. And, and he was out there for a lot of them. But, hey, so was everybody else. So I think trying to judge his results and the scope of the rest of the team is difficult right now because those two games are really skewing. I think the overall sample, and, and specifically against Vegas, the Penguins played it with a lead for so long um, that Vegas kind of used that to, to rack up some shots. Um, grading Yusso Rikula's first two games, how do we feel? I say B minus. Yeah, I think that's fair, Pat. Yeah, it's a pretty fair assessment. He, I think it all it all counterbalances because I thought he was really good against Vegas, and I thought he was painfully average against Montreal, and yeah. that kind of is where we end on that is a B minus. You know, something I, I we talked about this uh, several weeks ago on the show, um, and you see it again, I think, in these two games that he's played. Um, you know the tendency of NHL defensemen, I think is to really initiate a strong gap at the red line, right? Yes. When you get to the red line, the rule of thumb is you should be no more than two stick lengths away from the player you're marking a stick length um, that I ideally. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and that obviously closes as you come to the defensive blue line. You so Ricola pinches in a lot when the other team is breaking out, but he does it to obliterate potential pass recipients. So, yeah, like, he, he, you know what I'm talking about here, Mike? He, he did it. I remember after the Buffalo preseason game, you mentioned how he picked the guy off as he was coming into the zone, and he did yeah. it again against Montreal. Yeah, did the same thing against Montreal, and it worked. Uh, but he identifies that the breakout is going to f- sort of funnel in one direction, and then he just bolts up and attacks that open passing option and makes contact with him right as he receives the puck. So it's a good way yeah. to kill a breakout, but it's also, you know, a risky way to kill a breakout as well. <laughs> but so yeah, far it's worked I, out. 
and I know you and I talked about this on Twitter at the time, but if you're line mate, defensive pairing guy, whatever you want to call him, I can't think of a how about partner? We're good. Fucking <laughs> word. That's it. Partner. <laughs> if your partner realizes that you're going to do that and is back there covering the other guy breaking up ice in case shit goes sideways, that's fine. Yeah. I also think that speaks largely to a, uh, I don't want to say European because, you know, but the way the game's played over on the other side of the planet, because if you remember, there was that interview with Alexei Kovalev that came out a little while back where he basically said he hated playing near the end of his career in the NHL because of the lack of creativity. You know, if you think of the way defensemen play now, it is the safe play, the high percentage play, the back off, be a stick length or two away. And then you have this guy, Rikuluk, who comes in and says, I'm going to try to jump the route and get in the way of the, the breakout, which I think is a cultural difference in the way hockey's played in certain regions. Yeah. Um, let's use this time to transition to a very bizarre conversation about Olimata. Um, <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll take a quick peek at like the week ahead and, and get into some other stuff about the Penguins in a minute. But I, I wanted to bring this up to you guys because Olimata has, in a lot of ways, I've had a lot of people tweet me and say Olimata doesn't belong in the National Hockey League. And let, like, let me first just say that like, if, if you have that take, okay, I want you to keep it inside. I want you to tuck it away at the risk of completely embarrassing yourself because that's a terrible take. It's horrible. Ole model is one of the best defensemen on the Penguins. I, mean, I, I think I can even put him second behind Brian Dumoulin last season for me. Anyway, if I'm grading it out, I, I think he was the second best defenseman on the team last year. Um, Ole has got a problem with, with pivoting and turning his hips and, you know, especially when you're, the team's turning the puck over and he's having to transition quickly. Um, that that's been on display, I think, um, quite a bit in his career. But consider this, guys. Let's look at the Penguins, right? Because the, the primary job of a defenseman is to prevent shots and prevent scoring chances, right? That that's what a defenseman's job is. Last I checked. Okay, Chris Letang leads the team in just about every defensive metric you're going to find. That's not surprising given the start that he's been off to. But if you're looking at mitigating shots, gentlemen. Okay, so we're talking about a defenseman's ability to prevent shooting attempts, not just shots on goal, any attempted shot. The two best defensemen on the team outside of Crystal Tang right now are Jack Johnson and Ole Mata. By a significant margin, 20 shots per hour better than Justin Schultz, over 10 shots per hour better than Jamie Alexia. 20 and 10 per hour. Correct. That seems significant. That's significant. Yuso Rikula, I mentioned that he played in two very high event games, right? They're 30 better than him, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because it's a little bit more symptomatic of where the team is, right? Okay. Yeah, that makes so let's sense. Move it on. Let's move it on to expected goals. Okay, now we're going to look at defenseman's expected goals against. So this is XG. a metric that... Yeah, XG, baby. This, uh, this is, again, is going to be even strength only. It's expressed as a rate for 60 minutes to account for the differences in ice time. What we're tracking here is shot quality, right? Scoring chances, high danger scoring chances, uh, shots maybe from high, high percentage areas that don't even get categorized by, as scoring chances by the NHL. Uh, so we're accounting for shot quality here, right? Uh, once again, uh, Chris Letang, very good. 
but Ole Mata leads the Pittsburgh Penguins. Jack Johnson is second. Oh, no, I take that back. Chris Letang is second. Jack Johnson is third. How much better are they than Oleksiak, Schultz, and Ricola? Again, over a goal an hour. In the case of Justin Schultz, over two goals per hour. Against. That, that's huge, guy. I'm not going to quantify that. That is absolutely massive. So what's the problem here, right? Because Ole Mata and Jack Johnson are two of the worst puck possession players on the Pittsburgh Penguins. <laughs> so you think about this. They're better at defending, the, 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 at playing defense than everybody on the team. Ole Mata's Corsi 4 percentage, his overall puck possession is at 40%. Jack Johnson, 45%. A middle, middle road of the team. But Ole, very bottom, right? Uh, what's going on here? we got to take a look at what the Penguins are generating with these two players on the ice. While they may lead the team in defensive metrics, they're also worst on the team in shot attempts generated and scoring chances generated and shot quality on the offensive side of the puck. So here's the question. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> That's a big question. But, like, if they're spending a lot of time in the defensive zone, guys – it's not fruitful hockey for the other team. The other team's not walking away with a shitload of shots and scoring. It's not a free-for-all out there. But by the flip side, the team's not generating anything when they're on the right. Where's this game being played? That's my question. Is it just two teams playing hockey between the blue lines? Yeah. What the hell is happening here? I, I was going to say, apparently it's, apparently it's one of those games where it's basically tennis. Yeah. Nothing is happening. Yeah, that's the thing is like you can't say that it's been bad. Technically speaking, it's just nothing's happening when they're on the ice. Mike said tennis, which is where my mind went, but I could not think of the word tennis. So I was like ping pong, <laughs> ping pong, ping pong. <laughs> I mean like this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And by the way, they've allowed a ton of goals. <laughs> but they like but if you look at the goaltender shoot or save percentage with them on the ice, it's been really bad and Hey, stats don't lie here, folks. Like, data will tell you a defenseman doesn't have a lot of control over the goaltender save percentage. Whatever. Watch the game, nerd. Yeah, I know. But in reality, (laughs) they don't. So, like, they've gotten really shitty goaltending. The team's not doing anything offensively. But, hey, they're not really – they're playing pretty good defense. So, I mean, it's like – is there a takeaway here? Well, I, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds or get too technical here. But if they're playing good defense as defense men, it's probably a good call. You would think so. I I do have another question though. So you mentioned that they're getting bad goaltending while they're on the ice. And there's not much that you can do about that. Do we need to have a conversation about Matt Murray versus Casey DeSmith? Absolutely. 100%. 100%. We have to no have the discussion. We do. We have to have a discussion. Uh, so I'm going to throw two more stats at you guys. Okay. Like Just can, two? Yeah. Like we can expect goals, you know, against and for for a team. Get your Excel spreadsheets ex- out, folks. Yeah. We got more stats coming. We can also expect save percentage, right? Um, we sort of We sort of create an imaginary league average goalie. Right. Okay. We put, we put this imaginary league average goalie in uh, the same situation as Matt Murray or Casey DeSmith. And we find out what would, what would their expected save percentage be if they faced the same shots and the same scoring chances and the environment was identical, right? Uh, Casey DeSmith uh, is operating at 
0.11% below what his expected save percentage would be, which, let's be honest, that's a negligible number. So I think what we can what we can say is Casey Smith is performing exactly to expectation. So so what you're saying is when there's a guy who gets a wide open chance in front of him and a goal is scored, it's whatever. It's not to, it's not like you're pinpointing as whoa that's a he should have saved that one. This is taking yeah, and this is taking everything into account. So on the flip side of your example, Mike, like the ten bells that he makes are going into this as well, right? So we're looking at his what's actual save percentages versus what the expected save percentage is, and we're saying it's right on the marker, right? Matt Murray, expected save percentage for him. It's not good. Let's say that first, 89.2. That's not good. What that says, guys, is that the Penguins have been really bad defensively. <laughs> that, that the expected save percentage is sub-900. Okay, it's sub-900. Casey DeSmith has had it a little bit better. Is he's at ninety three point seven six? So you could make an argument that maybe scoring chance wise, he's been on the better end here. Uh, the, but the, that the, pe- the penguin, the Penguins are playing better for Casey DeSmith. My column. This is actually an even strength too, by the way. So we're going to take all special teams out um, now. Matt Murray's save percentage, expected save percentage, is eighty nine point two. He's seven percent below that. Ooh. So even though the expectation is for him to not be all that good. He's performing way below that. There is no goaltender that has appeared in a game in the National Hockey League this season that has a lower realized versus expected save percentage. So that's like when you're a you're a B minus student and you're floating on D's. Yeah. Let's talk about one more goal save. Don't, don't talk average. about my college career like that, Mike, please. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, goals saved above average. This says if we put a league average, this imaginary league average goaltender into the same situation. How many goals would they would this you know Matt Murray or Casey DeSmith have prevented above or below what that imaginary goaltender would have? And Casey DeSmith again is performing at league average. Okay, and guys, I make a note. I think for the Penguins, that's all you need is just league average performance. I don't think you have to be Superman. I think if you could just give them average, that's fine. Uh, no, Matt Murray. I, I, not, not- Matt Murray is four goals right now below average. By the way, guys. Three goals in this swing is worth a, is worth uh, you know basically a point in the standings. So you could say Matt Murray's cost the Penguins a point. Yeah, and even even going back to the Ray Shiro Dan Bylsma era of the Penguins, I've always maintained that when it comes to goaltenders for them, they don't have to be Carey Price. You just need an average goaltender on an above average team because you look at the roster compositions and they're above average. So having an average goaltender in net is perfectly acceptable for this roster. Yeah. So uh, does Casey dismiss staying until he loses Mike? I say yes. Ride the hot hand. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? And I mean, we've seen that there might not be a, bigger competitor save for Sidney Crosby on the Penguins roster than Matt Murray. So if he's got somebody behind him creeping up on him, we're going to get the best Matt Murray there is. Well, and especially with the week ahead, there's no back-to-back, so it's not like we have to play two goalies. They can play to Smith uh, tomorrow night against Vancouver. If he plays well and they win, play him again Thursday against Toronto. Why not? Yeah. Speaking of uh, Vancouver, we did have that uh, incident with um, 
Mike Matheson on the Panthers slamming he on him. An incident. It was a goddamn body slam. I, he went Khabib. It was it was a TKO against no res, no response from the Canucks. No, which I, you know what? It, it was it was ugly. It was WWE style, which is how a lot of the players in the Canucks dressing room described it, but they didn't respond. And I know that there is a faction of hockey Twitter that hates this, but good. Uh, So my one question, I, I saw the incident, obviously. Um, What was the state of the game at the time? I am. It was competitive. Vancouver had the lead. Okay, um, so but it was. I wouldn't say it was escalated to the point that that which should have happened. No, and there was a there was a good clip. Um, it was a wider shot of the incident where Reimer was in net for Florida, and you could see him tracking the puck, and it was very much nowhere near where Pedersen was. Well, my my question regarding the state of the game was more along the lines of let's say Vancouver was winning or losing four one at the time. Do you think somebody might have acted on it since it wasn't a competitive game compared to the fact that it was a competitive game? Well, we so if you listen to what Matheson has to say about it, he just didn't expect him to be that light. I don't give a shit what he has to say. I, I, I don't hate that reply though. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's, I, I'm not gonna defend what he did. It was bullshit and it was dirty. Yeah. But like, that's a hell of an answer. Like, that's like the first time I met Pat. I didn't expect him to be that short. Yeah. God. Oh my damn it! God. <laughs> Knew it was coming. Well, Mike. Hey, Mike. Acting like a savage can only mean one thing. Oh. What's that? It's time for correspondences. I do have correspondences. And hi. Uh, Daniel asks, best Yinzer phrase? Oh, right up your room. Oh, I was going to say right up. Damn it. Oh, uh, I, I didn't have one ready. I'm going to give you mine. Maybe you guys haven't gotten this one. All right. So if you haven't, I apologize. But my mom used to tell me, in the wintertime, if I kept the door open for too long, that she wasn't paying to heat the whole neighborhood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, actually. Is that, is that one? Can I, can I take back mine? Yeah. One of my all-time favorites. Um, oh, who was I cannot remember for the life of me now in my family who it was that always said it. If I ever stopped in front of the TV when they were watching it. You make a better door than a window. Door or window. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I got that one too. Tables are for glasses, not for asses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question is from Alex, and this is specifically for Jesse. How did you not mention Frank's when discussing Ambridge Pizza? No, okay, I, I I thought I did, and that's that's a mistake on my part. The, the problem is is that it's such a war, right? And I think like people from Beaver County that aren't from Beaver County don't quite realize the Franks versus police station debate. So like it, Oh, I like both. I think both are appropriate for different times. I will say that I think police stations much, much better the next day because Franks puts their sauce on the top. So the cheese and everything is on the bottom sauce on the top. So it's like, it's backwards. So it's not, it doesn't really keep all that well. I don't hate Franks, but I do fall in the police station camp. 
So I'm sauce gonna, like, on the top? Sauce on top. What yeah. kind of anarchy is that? I'll tell you what, man. You can't knock it until you have it. It sounds I, weird. I guess that's I would fair. try it. I would try it. Like it's it's actually it's actually really good. And police station is one of the one of those places that puts a, only a little cheese on when they bake it, and then they put the cold cheese on when it comes right out of the oven. I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, it's but it, it, it's not about that at police station. It's about the sauce and the crust. Like it's it's, it's square cut. It's it's just different. And I want to throw I like, one. I like I like square pizza because we're having a conversation about Beaver County, and, and people don't realize I think like Ambridge is literally uh, a food gold mine. Uh, chicken Dust Avenue Cafe in Ambridge, Chicken Necks. Uh, you, you get wings there. There's only one kind of wing though. Like you don't go there and say like I want buffalo or I want like Old Bay or like some shit like that. You go there and get, they have one kind of wing. Uh, the, the, the people that own it now, uh, my cousins actually, they didn't own it before. It had caught fire, but they bought the recipe for this dry rub from the ex-owner, Nick, um, and now they have the, the, the recipe. It's one of the only places I think I've ever been to with a secret recipe. Um, so if you're ever in Beaver County and you want the best wings you've ever had, go to Dust Avenue Cafe, get a dozen. I promise you, you won't I have it. to do a wing shout-out real quick before you go to the next question. Because I kind of forgot about how much I liked these wings until I moved home in May, and I got them for the first time in a while yesterday during the Steeler game. A place you would not expect to have wings at, Pugliano's on 286 and Plum. They have a Chipotle barbecue wing. Oh, my God, the sauce is incredible. You got to like spicy, though. If you don't like spicy stuff, don't don't get it. It's hard for me to talk about wings in Pittsburgh because I'm a guy that personally has three wing flavors on the menu at Big Shot Bob's. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Big Shot Bob's has over 200 flavors of wing. I've had every one. Next question is from. <laughs> I've never been more proud of something in my life than my just from uh, right over it. Brad Smith is a hockey related question. Ooh. Is it time to change the overtime format? Um, his suggestion is regarding a 10-minute 3-on-3 yeah, over. I was going to say 10-minute 10-minute 3-on-3. I wrote it I in the recap. Yes, for the love of God, give me 10 minutes of 3-on-3 right now. Imagine deciding... A There's go- not going to be a lot of shootouts. Imagine deciding the Masters with a longest drive competition. I also think that you should keep power plays as 3-on-2. I absolutely agree. Yeah, I, I don't I, think I'd, I'd hate it. I, I'd, I'd love to see it. But... Imagine deciding the green jacket with the longest drive competition. How pissed would you be watching that or playing in it? That's yeah. what a shootout is. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, this is from Mike Neuer. Are you going to watch Gremlins with Halloween coming up? Or are you going to save it for Christmas or both? Christmas. I've never watched I've, it. Same. You've never watched, you guys have never seen Gremlins? I have not. Nope. Uh, dude, make a point to do it this year. I mean, it's gonna—it'll mean I'll less. Try. It'll mean less to you because you didn't see it as a kid. You uh, said, I'll be honest. You said like, Christmas. Uh, watch it at Christmas. Yeah, because here's the thing: like the show itself, like is about uh, so this guy, this kid goes to this like old like uh, shop and like wherever, and he ends up buying this small creature called a mogwai, and there's all these rules and shit. You can't feed it after midnight, and you can't get him wet. Um, but all this bad stuff happened, both happened 
and then they it multiplies into these like gremlin creatures or like uh, little lizard looking things, you know. Sure. Uh, and they raise all kinds of hell. But the movie happens at Christmas. I don't think I don't think. And I've I watched I've probably as a kid probably watched Grismones 150 times maybe 500. So and, and so so for me like I can't even fathom watching it around house. So so that means I I am I think I'm obligated by law to ask this question: Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Oh for sure yeah there's no question about it. I've never seen Die Hard either. Jeez, Mike, have you seen a goddamn movie ever? Have you ever <laughs> seen one fucking movie? I don't understand. By the way, let me the disclaimer to the people who didn't listen to us when we weren't recording in the pre-show. Mike has also never watched Star Wars. We learned that. I'm today sorry. As well. I'm sorry. So I'm never sorry. Never seen Die Hard. Have you seen the Goonies? Yes. Oh, thank oh God. God. Oh my God. I've seen Space next. Yes. Next. How about this? Next week, you can both bring a list of movies and ask me whether I've seen them. Have you seen Pulp Fiction? No. Oh my God. Oh. Oh my god! Oh, why am I on this show? This moving moving on. Show. I don't even want to do this anymore. <laughs> moving on. Uh, Danny asks, inspired by friend of the pod, Chet, Chet. Which penguin? Which penguin, in your personal opinion, would drop the hottest mixtape? Oh, Daniel Sprung, hands down. You see the picture of him from last season, where like he had the fitted cap on and like the black hoodie, and you could clearly see his chain. Dude looked like he was getting signed by Death Row Records the next day. <laughs> Man. This is a tough one. Come on, hip-hop I guy. Go, I gotta go with Gino. I feel like Gino I, is... I could get down with a Russian mixtape. Yeah, that's, that's my vote. Uh, friend of the pod, Morgan, asks, best hangover cure? Mor- Morgan's on a run. He, he, I believe every show we've had a question of his. Am I wrong? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we yeah. have. Morgan's Morgan's graduated beyond friend of the pod. He's like a regular. <laughs> what was the question? I'm sorry. Um, best hangover cure. Oh, PD light. No question. I vote tater thoughts. I vote no. any sort of greasy food. Oh, you guys are. This is so wrong. Like, are I you it's a not P- even... are you are you a PD light chill? Oh, dude. Let me tell you something. You want to feel like a million bucks when you wake up after a night of drinking. Before you go to bed, drink Pedialyte and take a men's one a day. I did the. I, I usually. And an I Advil. Usually, and an Advil. Men's I one a day, lean, an Advil, and a Pedialyte. I usually lean towards a full bottle of water and two aspirin. I also did, good. I did the. I, I also, I, disclaimer, by the way, before you go, Pat, you, you shouldn't drink and then take Advil. That's terrible for your liver and <laughs> awful. So I just don't. I, in, case, in the event that somebody listens to this and dies, I just want to be very clear. I'm also not a doctor. Please proceed, Pat. <laughs> I did the Pedialyte move in college for uh, the big drinking holidays. Uh, homecoming, IU Patties. I don't think it's placebo. I mean, I, I mean, you're literally rehydrating yourself. That's what it's all about. There, there's an argument to be had for Gatorade versus Pedialyte, but it's not for this time or place. No, it is not. Okay. Just, I, I used to do Gatorade and salt and vinegar Lay's potato chips. Doesn't that kind of doesn't the salt kind of count? Sure does, Mike. Next question is from Laura. Favorite salad? Caesar. Steak Caesar, to be exact, is my answer. Chicken. Say, yep, I was going to say chicken Caesar. Yep. Uh, Chad Tully asks, which penguin would be the best at each of the other major sports? I, don't know, I saw Sidney Crosby crank one out of PNC Park, so. 
Yeah, I yeah. gotta go with Sidney Crosby baseball with a wooden bat, nonetheless. Although Justin Schultz, uh, Josh Yogi wrote a really good article for him uh, about, or Seth did. I'm sorry, Seth wrote an article about Justin Schultz last week. Um, Schultz is apparently the uh, um, best golfer on the team. Yeah, he's like a scratch golfer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I might, I might lean that way too because if he dedicated all of his time to that, I mean, he he killed it at Pebble Beach. He said so. I mean, Jesus, Mike, yeah. you think we could get uh, Schultz to come out and golf with us? Not now, guys. I, I, <laughs> yeah, no, not now. It, it's October. He, it's getting cold. He can't golf in this weather. He might, and he just, he he might had surgery. To, he might be able to drive the cart. There you go. Uh, we have another, a different Laura asks two questions. First is specifically for Jesse. Did Rich ever play pond hockey with Tyler Kennedy? Not that I know of. Okay. Second question. Favorite regional slash Pennsylvania snack food? Snyder's pretzels for sure. Snyder's barbecue potato chips. Jesse? I don't know. I'm thinking about it. Slush puppy. Oh, I forgot that's, that's about slush puppies. So so my question, are you a cherry guy, a Coke guy, or a mix of the two? Well, slush puppy, to my knowledge, I don't remember them having a Coke flavor. Yeah, didn't oh. they just have cherry and blue raspberry? No, they had, had lime, they had orange. Um, yeah, lime, lime slush puppies were baller, but the cherry slush puppies were just elite. They're I used to put so much of that sugar liquid in them, too. I just <laughs> loved that. And I just went, I went my mom would like, when I was like a younger kid, like in slush puppy machines were like in, like my mom would like hover over my shoulder and like try what to, what are you doing with yeah, all that sugar? Yeah. Yeah. She'd be like, all right, that's enough. Cause she knew when I was, when I went home, it was all hell was going to break loose. Okay. I got one last question. Dev, uh, Devin, asks, Devin asks. Devin asks. sounds good tonight, baby. <laughs> cubed or crushed ice? Oh, crushed for sure. Crushed. Absolutely all agree. All day, every day. Okay, so we're three for three. Now there is a follow up. No oh boy. Do you have a favorite place slash restaurant where they have good ice? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you now. If you guys ever go to and Pat, I know you spend some time in Baltimore. Um, if you're ever in Baltimore, get a, get something called an orange crush. Oh okay. yeah, these are great. Yeah. So it's like a Baltimore thing. It's kind of like Orioles themed in a lot of ways. But basically, what it is, it's first of all the crushed ice. You have to have crushed ice, uh, freshly squeezed orange juice. Every bar in Baltimore has a press for this specific drink. So it's freshly pressed orange juice, uh, vodka, triple sec, and Sprite. They um, yeah, I I've, have, I've never had I one of these. Not... I've never had one of these in Baltimore, but. Uh, I'll see if I can get myself something else this weekend when I go to IUP. <laughs> uh, bar up there, yeah, Twisted I, I, Jimmy's has them. Yeah. They're so good. I was even going to say, I've not spent time in Baltimore, but I know uh, Ocean City, Maryland, a lot of places have them. And, yeah, yeah, Philly even. I think you can get them in Philly even. And uh, I was going to say, not even far. I know a few places in D.C. have that kind of thing on their menu. Yeah, so. yeah. Super popular down that way. Um, but that, I mean, for me, crushed ice, like, that's the best way to go. And it's really and, a drink people, you can have at any hour of the day. And people get all fucking amped up when they see you press a fucking fresh orange in their drink. <laughs> it, I mean, okay. would it not? Would that not drop get you couple, all sorts of excited? Drop a couple bombs there. <laughs> Something about correspondences just gets your juices going. <laughs> Dude, I mean, when we got correspondence. Literal orange juices. <laughs> um. No Premier League last week, international break. Uh, who does Liverpool have uh, coming up around the bend here? No idea. Jesus, Mike. Um, <laughs> Way to prepare. I am, I am, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. 
There was actually Let's there see. was actually a correspondence that did not make it onto Mike's list. That's I ignored it because it was from Jeff. No, 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 not Jeff. It wasn't Jeff. <clears throat> uh, let me find it. I got my That's phone. Hutter, Huddersfield Town. Correct. I uh, apparently stayed making a trip to Spurs this weekend. Good luck. Won't need it. Spurs. There was a question. Um, has Pat picked a Premier League team? I can't remember that, who it was from. It was I, uh, Rachel. I just found. Are it. you going to use this opportunity to announce Pat? I am not, unfortunately. Okay. But I, I like the one. I like the way she framed it, though. She said, "Has Pat picked a Premier League team? Also, any thoughts on Premier League to NHL equivalents?" So if the Penguins were a Premier League team, who would they be? Man City. You got you to give me an explanation because I'm, I'm not the well, PL the guy. Man City, I guess, they, I guess they don't win enough. Um, I guess Man City if they won more, I guess I would say. Because here's the thing. Like, they have the best players all out. Okay. Um, and they spend a lot of money. spend a lot of money. They have a great manager who's tough as nails, and everybody hates them except for the people in Man City. So what you're saying is this should be the podcast where I come out and say I'm a Man City fan now. Blue Moon. No, 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 no. That's their song, Pat. Blue Moon. You saw me standing alone without a dream in my heart, without a love of my own. I do like Blue Moon the beer. There you go. I also have a thought here while we're on topic. Uh, The Flyers would be be Millwall. (laughs) <laughs> and the the Toronto Maple Leafs have to be Manchester United, right? Yeah, but, yeah, but again, they don't win enough. They spend so a lot I, of money. I'd argue, I'd argue that I'd argue that, that the Toronto Maple Leafs are Spurs, super annoying fan base that's very large in a very preeminent part of London, which you know Toronto, you know, a big city in Canada, mm-hmm. uh, super annoying fans, and they never win anything. Anything. They never yeah, win anything. The Maple Leafs are 100% Spurs. Wait, you're telling me that signing John Tavares and not addressing their defense or goaltending didn't win them the Stanley Cup I, in July? It was just last week, I think, after we recorded the, la- we recorded the last show that, uh, you, you know, I, I follow so many Leafs riders, and they all just erupted one night in, like, this bemoaning of Ron Hainsey, and I'm like, didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was saying you mean three years of Ron Hainsey isn't working out. I was saying to Je- I was saying to Jeff and Rez from Penn's blog, I was like, I was listening to Dangle's podcast, and at one point, Wild on it goes, yeah, you know, I mean, they got to be careful having Hainsey on their first pairing, and I was like, it took you guys until the second week of the season to realize Ron Hainsey is your second defenseman means hey, your defense Austin might be Matthews, bad. Austin Matthews, dope though. Like, I love watching Austin Matthews play. Oh, don't worry. He'll be an Arizona Coyote before we know it. Yeah. Well. Um, so we got that covered. Steelers win again. No Le'Veon Bell. He's not showing up. I don't care about that. Uh, the Steelers have have won. What a weird That's game that was yesterday, though, just because so of the weird. weather. Great Kirkpatrick says that the Bengals are better. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to half quote the late Dennis Green, RIP. The Bengals are who we thought they were. Yeah. When did Dennis That's Green a, die? Like five years ago. For real? Yeah. I didn't even know that. I didn't either, Jesse. Approximately, maybe three. I'm googling. This. I had no idea he died. Like I, that's one of my all-time favorite press conference moments. Though is we, they are who we thought they were. And we it's did, right up there with practice. Practice. They are who we thought they were. And I'm a man. I'm forty. 
By the way, do he, we want to talk about this real quick? Because and I just briefly mention it because people are so pissed. Uh, this week, uh, North Allegheny and West Allegheny are playing yes. each other. Yes, it's a non-conference actually, game. Um, yeah, both, I was. I was. Both I was teams, just reading about this before we before yeah, we got on. Both teams are have have locked a spot up in their respective uh, playoff races, and they will play the entire game this Friday with a running clock. Yeah, it's it's non-conference, and it's also non-classification. West Allegheny is five A, North Allegheny is six A. So it's football. So there is there is nothing. Yeah, correct. It is football. There is nothing to be gained or lost. Whether it's like a free scrimmage, though, whether either team wins or loses. Normally, these games are scheduled in what they call week zero, which is the first week where most teams play their non-conference games and then get into section and conference play after that. But they have agreed uh, running clock because they don't want players to get hurt. I, all I can think is let's say you are, I don't know who West Allegheny plays next week, but let's say you're in their conference and you play them next week. How pissed are you right now? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like that, like that's, Especially if you have a conference game this week that you have to take seriously. Yeah, that's but that's I'll weird. I'll tell you the other thing to take into consideration here is that by the time the Whitfields are over, high school teams end up playing more games than college teams. Yeah, yeah, and the other thing to consider is teams don't make their own schedules; the Whitfields make them for them. FYI, that's Moon Township. Yeah, that uh, is going to get the back end of that. <sighs> but oh man, like. I do. I do miss. That's like one of the rare things I would say I miss from high school is Friday Night Lights. I had so much fun going to football. I went games. to Amber. I don't miss a single part of it. <laughs> I went to Penn Hills, baby. So we had some. I think that in my time in high school, I saw my the. Uh, by the way, Ambridge right now is one in seven. Just for those of you that wanted to be aware, um, I was just about to mention that. Yeah, they lost to knock fifty six nothing recently. My um, sophomore year of high school, they Penn Hills went to Heinz Field and lost to that powerhouse Upper St. Clair team. I think that uh, Ambridge won three games in my entire, maybe five in my entire high school life. So I just. I don't care. <laughs> I just don't care. There, I went to all that. I went to go see Aloquippa play because they were there, right down the road and they were a much more entertaining football team. There was a game. I want to say it was my junior year of high school that we were playing Woodland Hills for the quad a division, regular season title, whatever it was. And it was like the biggest game of the year. Cause it was near the end of the season. It, Decided seating for playoffs, and Penn Hills won on a kick, and we stormed the field as a student section after they won, and Channel Eleven covered it. And their first clip of it, I was wearing my high school hockey jersey, so you could see number eighty damp jumping over the fence, clear as nice. day. And my Mom mom just goes, "Huh." So I guess you enjoyed the game last night, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Well, with that, uh, this has been the Dying Alive podcast. Thanks again for listening and sending in all your great questions. Um, We'll be back next week for more takes. Say goodbye, Mike. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Pat. Goodbye, Pat. (laughs) 